Oh God, we want to be marching. We want to march in that throng that will sweep through those throne-wide gates one day soon. But before there'll be any marching into Zion, somebody's going to have to come back to earth. We pick it up once again, this fiery theme of the blessed hope. Please, dear Father, today especially, grant our minds the clarity we need to hear what your holy word is saying. Please. We wait on you now, through Jesus our Lord. Amen. On February 2, 2001 A.D., just a few days from now, it is hoped that millions of Americans will view the video clip you're about to see. A clip that depicts what some Christians are calling the secret rapture. I want to read to you first the fictitious scene as it's captured here in this novel that I have today in the pulpit with me, Left Behind. I want to insert a little caveat here because somebody came to me this last week and said, Hey, uh, Pastor, are you suggesting that we all go out and buy the Left Behind series? Well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm really not saying that. I'm not. I did say that it, they're written by two godly, devout Christians. I believe that's who they are. And that there is no swearing. And there is no sex. It, it, it is a Christian presentation of the second coming of Christ. But I hope that it will be clear today, if it wasn't clear last week, that left behind has left something behind. The truth. I want to examine that with you. But I'll, I want to first uh, set it up. Now, now look, folks, just, just, just by way, those of you who are joining us, and I see we have a number who are today for the first time. This, Barnes & Nobles, declared this to be one of the top, sen- top ten best-selling books in the 20th century. Number one, New York Times. Number one, Wall Street Journal. Number one, USA Today. Number one, Amazon.com. All their best-seller lists. Now, we have come to the 21st century... Eight books later, because this first book came out in 1995, eight books later. And by the way, the greatest selling series of books in the history of books, period, eight books later, the movie is about to come out called Left Behind, a movie they are hoping will be viewed by 57 million American viewers. Let me read you a scene from the book that kind of sets up our study today. Just as a background, Captain Rayford Steele, a nominal Christian who's gotten tired of his wife's brand of, you know, Christianity. I'm just tired. Doesn't even go to church anymore. Rayford Steele has just stepped out of his 747 cockpit on this midnight transatlantic flight to London. All right? That's the scene. He steps out the door and he is grabbed, literally grabbed by his uh, senior flight attendant, Hattie Durham. Here we go. As he opened the cockpit door, Hattie Durham nearly bowled him over. No need to knock, he said. I'm coming. The senior flight attendant pulled him into the galleyway, but there was no passion in her touch. Her fingers felt like talons on his forearm and her body shuddered in the darkness. Hattie, she pressed him back against the cooking compartment, her face close to his. Her knees buckled as she tried to speak and her voice became a whiny squeal. People are missing, she managed in a whisper, burying her head in his chest.
chest. He took her shoulders, tried to push her back, but she fought to stay close. What do you mean? People are missing. She was sobbing now, her body out of control. A whole bunch of people just gone. Hattie, this is a big plane. They wandered to the labs. That'd be the toilets. Or she pulled his head down so she could speak directly into his ear. Despite her weeping, she was plainly fighting to make herself understood. I've been everywhere. I am telling you, dozens of people are missing. Hattie, it's dark. We'll still... I'm not crazy. See for yourself. All over the plane, people have disappeared. It's a joke. They're trying to hide. Ray, their shoes, their socks, their clothes, everything was left behind. These people are gone. Is this the way Christ's second coming will transpire? Does the Bible teach that when Jesus comes to earth the second time, He'll come secretly, He'll come stealthily and whisk His closest followers away, leaving the rest of the billions of earth inhabitants to suffer through a terrible seven-year tribulation? Is there a shred of credible biblical evidence to substantiate what millions of people on earth are being taught, some for the very first time as they read the novels and see the movie. In short, is the secret rapture true? For the next few moments, I'd like to invite you to join me in discovering what left behind, left behind the most urgent truth of all. If you look in your worship bulletin this morning, there is an accompanying study guide that I hope you will keep over these next few weeks. You will have a collection by the time we are through. Those of you watching on television, if you go to our website that you will see at the end of the broadcast, that study guide will be available for you as well. Some of you perhaps didn't get a bulletin when you came in. And so, deacons, would you stand right now, please? Hold your hand up. I want everybody to have this. You say, ah. Pastor, I have taken notes all week long at this university. Please don't do this to me. Hey, wait a minute, folks. Come on, guys. Let's take a look at this. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Somebody after this movie is seen is going to come up to you and say, Hey, is left behind the way it is? You must be ready to give an answer. That's why we've got these study guides. I want everybody, hold your hand up, just hold it up. I want everybody to have it. Those of you who are watching on television, we're actually going to put it right on the screen and so you'll be able to see what we're jotting down in just a moment. All right? I want to make sure everybody has it. Good, good. I need to hurry on. This is an incredible study that we are going to share today. Open your Bibles, please, to one of the three passages that these sincere and devout Christians believe are critical to their theory of the secret rapture. In fact, you know what, folks? I am certain that if you approach the authors of this book, Tim LaHaye, Jerry B. Jenkins, whom I believe are godly, devout Christian men, or if you went to one of the professors at a large seminary in Texas that is, that is officially teaching this theory to a man or a woman, I believe they would all tell you, go to the Bible and seek your answers right here. And so we must do that because it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what they teach. The question is, what says the Word of God? So let's go to the book today. In fact, why not go to the words of our Lord Jesus Himself? After all, He's the one who's coming soon. Open your Bible, please, to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 24. In a very dramatic teaching, Jesus shares with his followers about when and how it is he would one day return. Open your Bible, please. Matthew, 
Matthew chapter 24, red letter edition. That means we've got red all over this page, if that's what you have. These are the words of our Lord Jesus himself. We'll put it on the screen for those of you watching on television. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus speaking. Let's pick it up in verse 30, all right? Verse 30. I'm in the New Revised Standard Version. Doesn't matter to me what translation you brought. Just bring a translation as we get into this book together in this series. Verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes. How many of the tribes? What was the word there? All the tribes. Those of you that have the New International Version, it says all the nations. All the nations of the earth will mourn and they, who? All the world. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All right, now go on, verse 31. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. The whole world is going to see this. Now, drop down to verse 36. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. I just got a letter this last week from somebody living in Montana saying, Hey, I got it figured out. Here's when Jesus comes. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? Don't believe it. Jesus says, nobody knows. And I want to say this to the credit of these two Christian authors. There is not a hint of setting a date anywhere in their book series that I can tell. Nobody knows. Now, go on in verse 37. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Hey, wait a minute. Hold it. Is there some kind of sin about eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage? Is that some sort of sin? I eat every day, I drink every day, I get married once. <laughs> once is enough. I get married, I get married once. What is this? Is this wrong? Not at all. Jesus is describing human life as it goes in its normal rounds. He says life is going on. Life goes on. Okay. Well, he just made that point during the flood. They were eating. Let's go back to 38. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So, too, will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, the secret rapture theory... Those who believe it take the next two verses. In fact, the title of this novel series comes right from these next two verses. Take a look at it. Verse 40, Matthew 24. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be what? Left. See, there's where the title left behind comes. Now, verse 41. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, finally, verse 42, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. You know, the love scene of uh, this Left Behind series, at least the first volume. The love scene, and, and we, we shared it last week. Rayford Steele, the captain, rushes home from that aborted transatlantic flight only to discover when he goes into his bedroom, rumpled up bed sheets, and when he pulls them back, his wife's nighty, a cross necklace, and the wedding ring. She left that behind. And it hits him. He has been left behind. We just read the words, one taken, one left behind. But is that what Jesus is teaching here? 
Does Jesus here in Matthew chapter 24 teach the secret rapture theory, i.e., that he will come secretly and his return will be witnessed by only his faithful followers? Does he teach that? The answer is no, no, no. I want to share with you now, and here's where your study guide comes in. I want to share with you three reasons why Matthew 24 cannot and does not support the secret rapture theory. Pull your little study guide out. It's going to be right up here at the top. Number one, three reasons. Let's jot them down together. Reason number one. Put it up on the screen. Jesus warns against anyone teaching that his coming will be in secret. Add the word coming and secret. The words that are yellow on the screen. Jesus warns against anyone teaching that his coming will be in secret. Let's go read some words we haven't read yet here in Matthew 24. Let's pick it up here in verse 23. Still red letters, Jesus speaking. Then if anyone says to you, look. Here is the Christ or the Messiah or or there he is. Do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens to lead astray, if possible, even elect. Take note, verse 25. I have told you beforehand, verse 26. So if they say to you, look, he came in secret. He is in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms. He came in secret. Do not believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, twice, Jesus powerfully warns against any teaching that would suggest he has come stealthily. He has slipped up secretly to earth. Do not believe it. The Lord, what's it going to be like when you come the second time? Ah, Jesus goes on, verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Have you ever tried to sleep through a lightning storm? Come on, have you? I'm telling you, those of us who live here in Michigan know we get some really humdingers of uh, lightning storms around here, don't we? I mean, wow, when I wake up in the middle of the night and Karen is beside me and we both wake up, you know what we start doing? Just just automatically, one lollipop, two lollipop, three lollipop. What are we doing? Are we hungry? Nope. We're counting. We're counting the distance between that explosive light and we're waiting for the clap, the crack of thunder. I want to tell you something. What really gets your hair standing straight on end is when the white light and the exploding thunder are simultaneous. You have just been struck. Don't laugh. Do not laugh. Karen's brother's house in Indianapolis burned down because it was struck by lightning. I'm telling you what, nobody sleeps through lightning. It is no secret. And Jesus says, that is how it's going to be when I come back to this earth. So do not believe anybody who tries to tell you it will be in secret. Is that clear? Reason number one. Let's go to reason number two. Jesus declares the, right in these two words, whole world will witness his return. The two words, whole world. We we, we read that a moment ago, but let's, wouldn't hurt to read it again. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30 now. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all The tribes are as the NIV. All the nations of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of glory. He is absolutely unequivocal. When I come, the whole planet is going to observe, will witness my return. 
And guess what? The mighty apocalypse, the Bible's last book, comes along and says, Yep, Jesus is right. Take a look at these words. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Look, He is coming with the clouds and... Read it with me. How many eyes? Every eye will see Him. I know what some are thinking. Because the book actually introduces this concept. It says, hey, hey. There's a secret coming. And then there's a glorious appearing seven years later. And so what some people do is, oh, oh, translate it. Forget it, forget it. It doesn't mean it doesn't. This is all talking about glorious appearing. I want to share with you now reason number three that is proof. It cannot be. There cannot be a third coming. There cannot be another coming after the second coming. There cannot be. Reason number three. Fill it in, please. Jesus describes the fate of those left behind. The words fate and left. Please insert those into your study guide. You see, there can't be a glorious appearing after His second coming because He describes the fate. No secret rapture with this fate. Let's go read the two secret rapture verses that people say are secret rapture. Verse 40, Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Ah, see, Dwight, look at there it is. Some are left behind. Oh, you're right. Doesn't the movie and the novel teach that? Well, not at all, not at all. This is not what the movie and the novels are teaching. The very obvious clue to what Jesus is saying here is found in its immediate context, the words He has just spoken prior to verse 40 and verse 41. Let's go read them. Verse 37. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Look, Jesus says, look, when I return to this earth, it will be just like it was at the flood. Some will be taken as Noah was taken into the ark in safety, and some will be left. Life in its normal routines is going to be going on, eating, drinking, marrying. In fact, when I come, some will be out in the field, some will be at the mill. Luke adds, some will be even in bed, just like the flood. Life in its normal routines will be taking place even so. I will suddenly come and I will take, I will take them. It's it's very interesting, that, that word take, John 14, verse 3. The identical Greek word is used in John 14, 3. You remember it? I will come again. And receive you. The old King James says, and receive you. My translation actually says, and take you. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, right, 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 right. Yep, yep. When I come again, I will take my friends to be with me. But then, what happens to those who are left behind? Jesus plainly declares, the ones who are left are swept away in destruction just like the flood. Interesting that the Greek word for flood is uh, kataklousmas. From whence comes our word cataclysm. When I come, it will be a cataclysm. And those who are left will be swept away in the cataclysm. Won't be water then. They're not left to go on. They're not left behind. They're not left alive. There can be no third coming. There can be no extra appearing. They're gone. They're the whole earth who's left 
is not left alive. You remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know the story. Hollywood has had its treatment of that uh, narrative. Luke, it's interesting, Luke includes in Jesus' words, likening his coming to Noah's flood. Luke includes Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's put uh, Luke's inclusion there. Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. Okay, see, life is going on. Life is going on as usual. But on the day that Lot left Sodom, see, Lot was taken out of Sodom. On the day that Lot left Sodom, it rained fire and sulfur from heaven and destroyed all of them. It will be like that on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. Lot's taken out of the city. What happens to those left behind? Ladies and gentlemen, this is, an, this is not anything to celebrate and shout about, but they are swept away. Just like the flood. In fact, Jesus is so urgent about this, He includes verse 32 here. Remember. Next shortest verse in all the Bible. Second shortest verse in all the Bible. Remember, in the New Testament. Remember Lot's wife. Who in the end got left behind. And because she got left behind, she was destroyed. The stories of the flood in Sodom are utterly clear. The ones who are left are not left to go on. They are not left behind, for they are not left alive. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no third coming. No third coming. There they are. You've got them now. Three reasons why Matthew 24 cannot support the secret rapture theory. Number one, if anyone tells you, Jesus says he's not telling you the truth, please don't believe it. Number two, the second coming of Christ, my coming will be witnessed by the entire globe. And number three, in fact, I wish you would write this in. It's number two in your study guide. The ones left behind are not, put the two words, left alive. See, they're not left alive. You don't hope to be, if you can't make the first one, I want to be left behind. No, though. If you're left behind, you're not left alive. But you say, hey, wait a minute, Dwight, come on. I mean, is, is, is a secret rapture theory based solely on Matthew 24? Well, actually, in fairness, I need to tell you that there are two other key texts that they say, oh, well, this, this helps the theory right here. And I want to share those two quickly with you. In the book and in the movie, by the way, it's, it's in both, the first book. The heroes of the story, after the others have all left, are rummaging around and they find an old video. And they put the video in a VCR and they discover it is the pastor of a nearby congregation who himself has been raptured. He knew he was going to be raptured, so he recorded a message for those who would be left behind. Now, I must be, and I, I, I want to say this charitably, he knew that the rapture was coming, but... There is no way from the Bible for him to have known, since I say again, there's not a shred of credible biblical evidence supporting the secret natu- uh, rapture theory. But because novels can make the story turn out any way the author wishes, the pastor knows. And so he quotes this text. And in fact, it's on the video. They're playing it. Our pastor's in heaven and we're now listening to him. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Read this and tell me, is there even a hint of a secret coming. You tell me. Listen, Paul's writing, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability and this mortal body must put on immortality. Was there anything about the secret coming of Christ in that? 
No, there's not. What Paul is saying is, you know what? Jesus is right. Jesus is right. He says, I will take you to myself. And here's what's going to happen. We who are alive, boom, our bodies become brand new and young forever. And those who are dead, come up to immortal life. That's what will happen. That's all Paul is saying. Now, there's one other text. This is it. There's one other text. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, 17, and verse 18. It's a familiar text to most Christians. For the Lord Himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, that's great news. Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you, is there anything secret in that passage? Quite the contrary. We have this explosive resurrection taking place with trumpets and cries and calls and not a hint of silence or secrecy there. In fact, I, I will tell you, this is the only place in the Bible you can find the word rapture. And, it's, and you have to have a Latin Bible to do it. The word he will gather, he will gather, when caught up with him. That word in the, in the um, Latin is raptio, from whence comes our English word rapture. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. It's from the Latin. But is there anything about secrecy here? Not a word. So, I want to say this with sincerity. And I want to say this with conviction again. There is not a shred of credible biblical evidence to support the theory that 57 million Americans are going to be exposed to through the books and the movie Left Behind. In fact, the Bible is replete. It is packed from cover to cover with the very opposite. I want you to read the dramatic description that the Bible offers. What it will be like when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords returns to this planet... This is in your notes. Five, jot them down, please. Five very unsecret descriptions of how Jesus will return soon to this planet. Okay, here's how the Bible describes it. Number one, with angels. Write in the word angels. Number one, with angels. Let's just, we saw that verse a moment ago. Let's go back to it. Matthew 24, 31. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Hey, guys, do you remember... When one, a single angel came down from heaven once in the Bible. You remember what happened? At the resurrection of Christ. Do you remember what happened with just one angel? Look at this. Matthew 28, verse 2. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. This is Sunday morning. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. My friends, that's just one angel. I want you to imagine this horizon set ablaze with the entire army of heaven. Nobody's going to wake up. Man, I wish I had been awake. I should have stayed up last night. I missed this. Nobody's going to sleep through the second coming. Number one, the Bible describes him returning with angels. Number two, jot this down. He returns with the trumpet of God. Three words, trumpet of God. Hey, we've been seeing trumpet in, in all these texts. Have you been catching trumpet there? Let's go back to First uh, Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet. Let's do one more trumpet verse. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew 24, we read this a moment ago. He'll send out his angels with a loud what? Trumpet call. Have you ever heard a trumpet? I want to invite my friend 
Timothy Zork to come out here with me. Have you ever heard a trumpet? Oh, come on, you probably haven't. I knew you hadn't. And so, Timothy, thank you so much for being with us today. Very glad to have you. Now, you are a, a, a master trumpeter. Timothy, just lay it on us, man. Just, just play something loud from the trumpet. Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but Timothy, yeah, no, do, do, do something. Just, just, loud. Yeah, not loud. It's getting better. One more time. Come on, Timothy. We only did it twice, first service. One more. What do you say to that? Did you do a good job, huh? That was very well done. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you very much. God bless you. Now, now, friends, look, Timothy comes out and he blows his trumpet. There's nobody. Everybody woke up in the background. They just say, oh, wait. Is this the end? Is this the end? Is this it? So, you know, you, you can't sleep through a trumpet. Not if you're in the same room with a trumpet. You think, oh, the Bible is just a nice little uh, sweet metaphor. Hey, let me show you a time in the Bible when God had a trumpet blasting when he came close to earth. Exodus chapter 19. Look at this. On the mor- This is Mount Sinai. By the way, whenever God does something important, <laughs> He makes sure everybody knows about it. If He gave the Ten Commandments with a trumpet blast, can you imagine Him slipping back to earth and not saying a word to anybody? Exodus chapter 19. Look at how the trumpet worked that day on the morning of the third day around Mount Sinai. There was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of the trumpet so loud that all the people who were down below in the camp trembled. Now go on. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. Now keep going. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. When the trumpet sounds at the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there'll be nobody that wakes up the next day and says, Did it really happen last night? Have you heard... Wow! The Bible is absolutely clear. There's no third appearing, folks. No third appearing. It has to happen. The Bible never even uses the word third. It has to happen at the second coming. All right, what do we have here? We have with angels, we have with the trumpet of God. Let's move on. With power, right in these three words, with power and great glory. Jot it down. Let's just take a look at that text again. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming with power and great. The word for great there in the Greek is mega. It is mega glory. I want to ask you a question. Do you enjoy IMAX as much as I enjoy IMAX? I love IMAX. I love to get right down there so that that screen is eight stories above me and I got all a hundred speakers all around me with surround sound. I love IMAX. IMAX will be nothing in comparison to mega, mega, full screen glory. Nobody's going to say, did anything happen last night? All right, number four. 
He will come with lightning and fire. Please write those two words in. Lightning and fire. Now, we've already seen the verse on lightning. Remember that? Lightning from east to the west. Let's just go on to the fire one. Would that be all right? There's the one on lightning. That was Matthew 20, uh, 24. But let's go now to fire. Psalm 50, verse 3. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring what? A devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. Let's do one more. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord... It's the Bible's way of describing the second coming. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Oh, by the way, some people say, Dwight, see, there's proof. He comes silently. He comes secretly. Wrong, wrong, wrong. How could it be silently when two lines later you will see the words, loud noise? Whenever Jesus or the New Testament uses the thief metaphor, it is never for silence or secrecy. It is always for unexpectedness. Now, I mean, if I knew that guy was coming to, I'm not going to give you the street where I live. I'd be there with that BB gun of mine just waiting for him to walk through. Because a thief never sends you a little postcard. Oh, by the way, I'll be in your neighborhood next week. It's always unexpected. That's what it means to come like a thief. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise and the elements will be dissolved with fire and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. No secret in that one either. Fire. One more. Maybe this one will be quiet. Number five, he will come with and write in the word earthquake. Earthquake. I grew up in Japan. We used to wake up in the middle of the night, our beds just shake. And Japan is the whole nation on a fault. Earthquake. You don't sleep through an earthquake, but take a look at this one. What will be the earthquake like at the second coming of Jesus? Revelation 16, verse 18. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a violent earthquake such as had not occurred since people were upon the earth. So violent was that earthquake. Now notice verse 20. And every island fled away, and no mountains were to be found. This last week in El Salvador, the name in Spanish means the Savior. This last week in El Salvador, the mountain, you see it on the screen, the mountain gave away in a 7.6 Richter scale earthquake. And the president of El Salvador, this is near San Salvador, the president orders immediately 3,000 coffins. Nobody will sleep through that earthquake at the second coming of Christ Jesus. Mark it well, my friends. There will be nobody alive who will miss the most spectacular theophany. That means the showing, the appearing of God. It will be the most spectacular moment in the history of the universe. Nobody's going to say, ah, I should have been awake. There will be no human being who misses the second coming of Jesus. In fact, this is very, very somber. There will be some people when Christ returns, many who will see Him coming and will beg to be hidden from His face. Watch this. Revelation chapter 6. Then the kings of the earth and the magnates and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Now, listen to me carefully. 
If the coming of Christ were a secret seen only by the righteous, why are the lost crying to be hidden from the face they see? It simply does not hold up to the Word of God. That's why. Okay. Okay, Dwight. You made your point. But so what? Who cares? Whether he comes secretly or not, I mean, what difference does it make? I want to tell you something, friend. It makes all the difference in the world. Because you know what? The most urgent truth, and this will be number five on your study guide, the most urgent truth that left behind, left behind, is the truth, there is no second chance. Write it in. Second chance. No second chance. The Left Behind books are riddled with a potentially fatal second chance teaching. I have gone through the books and listed the references in the cover of each book. I want you to listen to a dangerous admonition that is, you know, the raptured preacher who's gone, the video he left behind. In that video, listen to what he tells those who are left behind. It doesn't make any difference at this point why you're still on earth. You may have been too selfish or prideful or busy, or perhaps you simply didn't take time to examine the claims of Christ for yourself. The point now is, you have another chance. Don't miss it. Whoa. What is so dangerous about that? I mean, you wake up and you realize that you've got to reform your life. That's just it, my friend. There will be no waking up after Christ comes. Nobody's going to wake up. When Jesus Christ returns, count them, you will have absolutely zero chances to reform your life and change your heart. Zero. Nada. None. There is no second chance. The books and the movie and the secret rapture theory make you think that if perchance you missed getting raptured, at least you got seven years to get your act together. Come on, folks. We are all human. If that's the case, guess what most of us will be tempted to do? I mean, you got it. Hey, man, I'm going to party on, dude, until the secret rapture. And then when my pastor and the elders and the, the good people in my congregation are gone, I now know I've got seven years to really get ready this time. But I want you to think logically with me for a moment. What would happen? Okay, let's just say the theory were true. Let me ask you, what would God gain from such a theory? Huh? What would He gain? You know what the answer is? Absolutely Nothing. What good is a foxhole friend? I got to tell you that when my mother and father decided that I, as a boy, had broken one too many of the laws of the home, and it was time for corporal punishment, I can still picture it, that long hallway, and they're leading me down the hallway to a bedroom where I know a certain belt is hanging. Once I crossed that invisible line and had disobeyed one too many times, I want to tell you something. I was suddenly a converted and changed little boy. I shouted all the way to the bedroom. I'll never do it again. I love you forever. I will be the best boy you ever had. And I was until Greg was born. (laughs) Was there a change in me? (laughs) There was no change. 
I was a foxhole conversion. What good is a foxhole friend who all his or her life in this life rejects God? Has no, I have no stomach for you. I have no heart for you. I have no time for you. What good is one who has no time for the eternal, but then who watches the calendar and says, Hey, I got, whoa, the seven years are about up. I need to make a commitment. Think with me. God will not win a single genuine new friend with such a scenario. Which is why there was no second chance after the flood. There was no second chance after Sodom. And there will be no second chance when Jesus comes again. Everybody's already made up his or her mind. God has had respect and He honors the free choices. Sealed. Seal it in. It's over. It's over. Left Behind tries so hard to make it look like it works. That when God gives a second chance, hundreds and thousands step forward and are converted. But when you're writing a novel, you can make it turn out any way you wish. But when you're telling the truth, you have to go by the Word of God. Oh, it's true. You're right. Hey, I know the verse, 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to Him in repentance. By the way, that's why He's pleading so earnestly today with the human race. I know that. Folks, look, it's true. God will forgive you and me 70 times 7. But get this in your mind. The issue is not God's forgiveness. What is at stake here is the very character of God Himself. God who is in love with the whole human race. But a God whose love is soon facing the law of diminishing returns. Finally, there comes a moment where God says, Hey, hey, hold, hold it. If I wait any longer, I'm going to lose more than I can save. Stop right here. It's over. Stop it right here. And so to save the remnant few... God's mercy bows to His justice. And the floods come to the Andalusian world. And the fires come to Sodom. And the end comes to earth. Because there comes a point when God says, Enough is enough. It's over. No more chances. It's over. You know, I can't figure out for the life of me why the left behind writers didn't see Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. It's very clear there. Take a look on the screen. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once. You know, when you die, the book closes. It's over. There's nothing you do after death to change what your record is. It's over. Just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after that the judgment. Watch this. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. That is the only place in all the Bible where Christ's return is preceded by the adjective second. That's the only place. Not third, not fourth, it's second. When Christ appears a second time, He will not appear to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly Waiting for Him. Ladies and gentlemen, mark it down please. Once Christ returns, there will be no more dealing with sin. There is no third coming because there is no second chance. This is the second coming. And it's over at that coming. In fact, Revelation 22.11 declares the mighty thunderous declaration that will issue from heaven as Jesus returns. Look at this. Revelation 22:11 He who is unjust let him be unjust still 
She who is filthy, let her be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And she that is holy, let her be holy still. When Jesus comes back, the decisions are all made. There's no negotiation. There's no second chance. And that's why the very next verse in Revelation 22 is verse 12, where Jesus speaks these words. He says, look at, behold, see, I am coming soon and my reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. The reward is with him. There's no further bartering. The reward is with Him. There is no third coming. When He comes the second time, that's it. That's it. There is no seven-year second chance. And if you are banking on one, my friend, if you are banking on one, you will be lost. I mean, what is God going to say? Oh, Mrs. Lott. How is He going to ever look Mrs. Lott in the eye? Oh, Mrs. Lott. I am terribly sorry. I overreacted with you. I was a little harsh. My, oh, my, oh, my. And so what I've decided is I learned my lesson then, Mrs. Lott. And so I've let all the Mr. and Mrs. Lotts at the end of time, by the billions, I gave them all a second chance. God did not give the people of the flood a second chance. God did not give the people of Sodom a second chance. God is not going to give to planet Earth a second chance. There is no second chance. And how could anybody, anybody, concoct a theory that has Him giving Earth billions a second chance at the end? Look at this. Matthew, uh, this is Malachi rather, my apology. Malachi 3 verse 6. I am the Lord and I don't change. As it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be when I come. As it was in the days of Lot, it's going to be when I come. And I am coming soon. There is no second chance. Because you think about it. Come on now. We've got some bright university students here. Look, it. do this with me. If God could grant a second chance, help me out. Hey, why couldn't He give a third chance? I mean, what would keep Him from giving a third chance? Why couldn't He have a fourth chance? Why couldn't he have a fifth, a sixth, eighteenth? Why couldn't God have fifty chances? Jesus just keeps coming to the earth secretly, silently. Keeps taking a few more. Finally, there's one guy left. He says, you know what? I guess everybody's gone. It must be my turn next. I mean, couldn't he do that? I'll tell you why God doesn't give another chance. Because he won't win a friend or change a heart, even if he did. Watch this. Jesus tells a story about ten virgins. Five missed it. Five foolish virgins. They come to the door, pounding on the door. Pound, let us in, let us in. And Jesus the bridegroom comes to the... They're begging for a second chance. Jesus the bridegroom comes to that door. And in Matthew 25, what does Jesus say? I cannot let you in, for I do not know you. You didn't want my friendship. We are not friends. We are not friends. I don't know you. Why doesn't God open the door? Because He won't win a friend or change a heart even if He did. Which is why God cries out to all of us at the end of the times, 
Jot this down. It's the last line on your study guide. God cries out to this generation of earth today. Write the word in. Today, Hebrews 3.15. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For, and this is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2, for behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. My friend, if you have been putting off surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm telling you what, you can't. You just, you, you just must not. The only time you have is described as today and now. That's all the time you have. If ever it were the right time for you to reach out and accept His forever friendship, I'm telling you what, it has got to be right now. There is no other time. Holy Father, Oh God, there's no other way that this can be put. Because when we come to its trembling bottom line, it's suddenly clear, no matter how you believe Jesus is coming, there is no second chance beyond that moment. And while you may be just as right as the Bible as to how and when He might come, Holy Father, it's still true. Now and today, it's the only time we have. And so I pray for all who are gathered beneath this roof. And I pray for all who right now on the, are on the other side of a television set. Please, dear God, You love this human race. You are not willing to lose a single one if you could have your way. Please, dear Father, grant every man, every woman, every young adult the courage and the conviction to surrender life to Jesus now. Then, our eternity in Christ shall be always secure in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.